0: Hey, everyone. I'm back with my old partner, David Silver. This is Raghu Marcus, and this is Mind Rolling. Hi, David. Hi, Raghu. Hi, everybody.
1: Good to be back here.
0: Yeah, it's so great to have David back. Thank uh, you. It really is. uh, I'm everybody out there. You know, I'm pretty comfortable doing podcasts after I've done 300,000, but uh, I'm never as comfortable as I am with David, so... I just want you to just, it's just so easy. Our, you know, because we talk just like we, you know, we might be speaking to each other on a regular basis about anything. So that's why it's, it's lovely. As you can all see, uh, I've also, to make myself even more comfortable, uh, is uh, having this background, which is the temple in Kenchi, India. Uh, which is where we hung out, Ram Das and me and Krishnadas and others, you know, and with Neem Karoli Baba uh, in this particular temple, and it's it's in the middle of a wonderful valley and talk about feeling safe. So uh, you know, we are in a time of feeling unsafe, and so this is my little personal um, connectivity to feel. Safe. So I've I've got David, and I've got Kenchi. What else do you need on an afternoon, huh? Well, a dog and a cat, and we have that. Oh yeah, we got everything. You know, boy, these yeah. times, huh? David, we haven't even done anything on air. I don't think since uh, we've been
1: quarantined, right? No, I mean, um, this morning on my run. Uh, I don't usually communicate with other runners or workers. There's not that many. I leave very early. There are very few. No cars at all, ever. Uh, and it's in a very countryfied sort of road, trail. And this morning, I was watching someone coming towards me who had a very aggressive look on her face. And, um, you know, you notice people when you walk past them and run them. And then when she got within about 10 yards of me, she gave out the most beautiful um, good morning and smile behind the mask that I could ever recall anybody ever doing. And it made me feel really good. I you know, I mean, uh, you don't want to communicate too much with runners because it's hard enough to run without talking and stuff. But you know it made me feel good, and I realized that there are some uh, ameliorating um, flashes going on during this <clears throat> extremely extremely weird time. And uh, you have to latch onto those, if you like, because they are happening. People are respecting each other and um, trying to respect the rules as such in some places. And uh, that's good. And maybe, uh, as Jane Goodall said a couple of days ago, um, this is a kind of learning process that you can't invent by education or by books or by lecturing or by activism. World War II changed the world despite 82 million people perishing. Um, wait, 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 what? How many? That's the, that's the number they've come up with recently, yeah. They don't know exactly between 75 and 90 million, something. Because- Perished you know, in
0: World War Two,
1: my Yeah, God. yeah, worldwide, yes. And of course, that includes the civilian populations and the worst ever. But, you know, Russia lost 30 million, uh, you know, <laughs> 22 million military and many others. And so on. Bad, 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 bad humans. But um, what came out of it, a lot of really good stuff, um, particularly scientific stuff. What's going to come out of this is uh, a lot of loss and sadness and then hopefully um, a change in the way we fit into nature and the way we fit into this wonderful, marvelous, miraculous, beautiful planet. And... um, You know, to quote Mick Jagger on the new Rolling Stones single. he says, oh, this planet is so beautiful. And now we're in a lockdown. And the way he sings the word beautiful is beautiful, Uh, expressing the fact that we live in this incredibly friendly, rich, and powerful um, planet. I mean, we could be, you know, could be Jupiter. We'd just be burned alive immediately microsecond Hmm. I think Um, so what I'm getting out of it now after initially being completely freaked by the fact that I live in New York and New York has been very very heavily hit um, I I, I kind of got used to it um, and been very thankful that so far so good for me and my family I lost a friend or two who died two now and uh, know about five people who had the COVID nineteen virus, and you know, it's 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 pervasive and and frightening. And maybe later, or at some point, Raga, as we talked yesterday, maybe we could talk about some things we've discovered that help a little bit, hmm. uh, if you like. Yeah, I don't want to no, be didactic, absolutely. but I've learned a few things.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I don't think I have mentioned to you, and I've I, I have mentioned it on the podcast. Uh, something I found uh, that uh, rela- uh, the Chinese have a term for this and I mean I don't mean the the political apparatus in China I mean the the uh, deep uh, wisdom that Chin- the Chinese represent through many of different arts and sciences and healing um and this kind of chaos, they, they term it as a dangerous opportunity. Mm. I love that. You know? mm. And I've been thinking about it. Every, every podcast that I do, almost I bring it up with whoever I'm talking to, because everyone has mm. something to offer about that statement and that reality. Right. Because things can go in all sorts of different directions about, you know, you've just uh, actually enumerated some positive ones. And um, and I've encountered God, I, I might have encountered that same runner, you know, that yeah. uh, that you encountered this morning uh, and more than one of them. And uh, the the interconnectivity is so self-evident when you're out at all you know, in public these days, I find. And that speaks to the, um, the opportunity. The danger is in, obviously, uh, the uncertainty in so many different ways, the uncertainty of one's health, the uncertainty of one's ability to feed one's family and put shelter around them. Uh, these are not trivial things, and and you and I are sitting at home in uh, relative uh, comfort and being able to uh, feed ourselves and family and so on. Uh, but that is not the case, and you uh, know obviously this this can get uh, way worse, and we hope that um, our deepest compassion and kindness comes out. Uh, and is not just confined to those of us that are working, quote-unquote, on consciousness, but those of us that have the power to make the kind of changes that uh, can offer people a way to uh, sustain themselves. And the other part of the opportunity for me is is looking at what what's happening with the environment. Isn't it amazing, all the different things that are you see, I'm being sent pictures from India uh, where the Himalayas are in view uh, from places that they are they have not been in view for 30 years or more, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Of course, the, the Venice canals you can see down through and I think what dolphins and porpoises are, are, are in, you can see them, they're coming back, you know, all of this is extraordinary and it all, so it leads to two different things. One is you know, just the fact that look what we have done and what is going on now is certainly, uh, and karma's a tough word and to bandy that about in a rational way I don't think is very useful, but we have all contributed to what has gone on with this planet over the last couple of hundred years through industrial revolution and so on, and through uh, our innate penchant for uh, wanting, greed, power, and so on. And uh, we've created the, the, the kinds of leaders that we seem to have a lot of these days across the world that um, we are being put in our place. But then there's the opportunity to do something, even even uh, the smallest item, the the consciousness around what we're putting in the garbage and how we're dealing with that and how it happen, you know, what happens down the line, what um, you know around water and the cleanliness of it and what we are doing in that respect. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a lot of opportunity, and um, I think it it uh, again. I can be sitting here saying a lot of naive bullshit, but I uh, the way that we need to come together is uh, is to me part of a an opportunity to contribute to making changes because if we don't, um, these are the kinds of results that we're going to have. I mean, this one scientist Dave that I did a. Uh, podcast with said uh, he said, uh, Bruce Damer is his name, he said this is like a little slap in the f- face, this COVID this is not bubonic plague, this is not the influenza of, of 1918 this is okay maybe time for you to get your shit together a little bit uh, because we certainly can see you know a lot more of these kinds of things if we continue to Uh, abuse the planet and
1: each other. Right. Um, Absolutely. I saw something on... um, um, I don't know where it was, but this morning, or it was BBC, about Iceland. And the fact that Iceland, I mean, it's a small country, given, but they were completely prepared. Because it's true governance there. It's not some kind of political parlor game, dangerous parlor game. There they have people who care because they know a lot of the people that they're dealing with, and they've been th- their testing was immediate and perfect. In other words, they immediately knew within finding out in February or early March whenever who had it, who didn't have it, where the tracing was, everything that we still don't have here. But more important than that, they had a genetic scientist on who said that by examining the genome and so forth of individuals, Uh, they could find out their their, uh, proclivity for this or their vulnerability to this or how they would react to it and who to deal with first to help. And the man who was talking was a scientist who started this 15 or 20 years ago. And when the BBC asked him, well, you know, you are a small country and everything, he said, yeah, but the model can be reproduced. So when I was watching this, I was thinking, heavens above, there are people on this planet who are really wise who really have foresight and are, have positions close to power. In other words, they can exact or they can execute their vision via a government which is responsive to to truly uh, humanitarian science. And I was buoyed by this when I saw it. I thought, oh, my God, it, it isn't happening here, but the planet is so diverse, so completely diverse, despite the interconnectedness of us all, you know? that in one country, they had it down, and and they knew how to do it, and their people are grateful and thankful for that. Now, you know, who knows what's going to happen in three weeks. This is the world we live in right now, you know, it's changeable, but I was moved by, you know, I was just moved by it, that um, there are people on this planet who are constantly at work trying to help other people, uh, and that is inspiring and wonderful, and it is so difficult to you know, I, I've been political my whole life and to the left of left, like most of the people I know and love. I still I'm sort of like that. But I understand that that I have to grow on that too. you know I just have to sort of become beyond that and see what are the solutions to help people less, to have people uh, at least the chance to have less suffering. Ram Dass said one time, oh my God, this world is full of massive suffering. That's a quote. And he didn't say it to depress us. He said it to us to the fact that that is the case. The billions of people don't have enough food, billions of children don't have good water, all of that. And he was right. But his approach and the approach of other great teachers uh, is... Okay, we know that's happening, but there's no point in, in, in just becoming blame machines and anger machines because it takes you over. And I've had that problem my whole life, you know. And now I'm, I, it doesn't make me, you know, adore Mike Pence or something. It's not like that. It's more like don't get involved, drop it. And you know it's going on, don't ignore it. If you can help it, help it. But don't sort of just spend your whole life now in a state of torment because it isn't going to help your family, friends, your children, or or yourself ultimately. And, um, you know, when I used to scream at the TV, as soon as I saw uh, DJ T, uh, you know, I don't do that now. And it's not because I'm going, oh, I like him now. He's great. He's so rational. No, I know he's a narcissistic lunatic. I'm aware of that. But my anger is what? affects me. Doesn't affect him. The more I scream, the the less he hears. So, you know, that's another great thing that's coming out, you know, uh, going back to the running thing. Uh, You know, there are all kinds of symbolisms in these things. Like, you know, I wear masks. Most of the walkers wear masks. I don't see that many people. Maybe I see eight people. And the ones that weren't wearing masks, I found myself for weeks... Feeling anger towards them. Like, why aren't you wearing a mask? You're running, you're spitting, you're coughing, you're, I I mean, you're only a few feet. And now I've lost that too. (laughs) I had that for weeks, months now in this lockdown, you know, that I just like, wear a mask, you fuckhead. Now it's more like, I wish you'd wear a mask. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) It's not, it's not, but it's just not within myself a grudging nasty Mm. old geezer stuff. So, I mean, hopefully everybody's checking on themselves and like, Mm -hmm. I I saw a guy on TV talking about something which I wanted to bring up, which is that uh, if you're actually alone now and you have to listen to this podcast more or less when we've done it or soon after we've done it, uh, you know, it, it is difficult to be alone no matter what. Uh, we are alone in birth and death and in many transactions in our lifetime, but it's hard to be alone. It's nice to think that there's a partner with you or a family with you or something. And I learned a few things like, what do you do if you're alone to stop going crazy? <laughs> you know? uh, mm. and One of the things that, that comes up is do small amounts of what you know is positive, even if you can't do large ones. And... If you're doing something that's really lazy and slovenly and vegetative and kind of depressed, do that, but play a game with yourself that after you've noticed yourself doing it, do something good for a minute or two. I.e., meditate for 30 seconds, not an hour. You know, and if you can't walk anywhere, walk around your house for a few minutes or read a book for a few minutes. The point being that if you do this every day, you don't lose your center. Whereas if you just fall into a depressive, I hate the world, I hate Trump, I hate everybody, we're we're screwed, I'm screwed. I have one person in my life who's very much like this. Uh-huh. And when I talk to this person, I stopped saying to this person, why are you so angry and depressed all the time? Because it doesn't work. You have to motivate yourself. You have to, you have to. You have to go, oh God, I'm turning into one of the people I don't want to be, I don't want to be that person. So do little bits of things, keep doing them, even if it's just reading a book a little bit a day and turning off the TV, even when you may even be enjoying it. Get rid of it for a bit. You'd be surprised how that grows, it has with me. I I do not watch as much TV as I used to. And it's better for you because it's a nasty drug. Let's face it, it's a a real, it's an addictive thing, you know, particularly in times like this when you you can't go to a a restaurant and hang out with people and be gregarious and happy and normal and wonderful. No, you're sitting on your own, you know, in your pajamas with the dog asking you for more food and, and heaven knows. So TV seems to help, but...
0: Especially watching the news... And oh yeah be, you yeah know, right. that is an addiction because the reasoning is you need to know what's going on you know uh yes that things are changing rapidly but uh, that particular addiction is uh is devastating because it has no end to uh grasping at stuff and i think you're absolutely right i have a uh, somebody uh, I know who's no longer with us, a, a wonderful uh, Chinese medicine doctor um, who said, "The name is Alex Tiberi, do whatever it is that you don't like doing. Start somewhere. Do something that is completely out of your wheelhouse, so, and I'm adding on to it, and uh You cannot believe how effective that can be. And talking about some of the, you mentioned earlier, little prescriptions, which you just gave, some wonderful ones. Well, this is one, too. Um, And it can be just, uh, well, one for me was, I love my cup of tea every morning. You know, it's like many people have that as a cup of coffee. I turned it into an insipid herbal tea that's good for me and i watched myself go through oh god you know in the beginning it was like wrenching it was wrenching because i had such a tremendous t- tremendous uh attachment and and then I, I i saw it after a while it didn't seem to matter quite as much and then it didn't matter at at all Now I did make a deal with myself that in the afternoon I could have my cup of tea, you know, two two (laughs) teas a day, (laughs) just some stupid shit like that.
1: No, but the morning is particularly delicate, so it's a yeah, because that gets you kind
0: of you know. So it was more devastating not to have it in the morning. Let me tell you, Uh, but there are many little things that it's amazing. What happens is. It starts to cut into the habitual patterns that we create on a day, and that's another thing that COVID is doing for us. It's, of course, cut uh, the regularity of us getting up, and uh, for many people, not having a place of work to go to, they are working from home, and that creates a whole tremendously different environment which requires. Uh, or not requires which allows one to take a look at the habitual patterns that we have created mm-hmm. you know so uh, i think that that's a nice little tip just think of little things that you, you you don't really want to do you don't they're not worth it you know make these kind of changes these tiny little changes you'd be surprised how far that goes in the big warp and woof of that gigantic story that we tell ourselves about who we are and what uh, our preferences are and how uh, and you start to see how easily you go towards the most comforting thing i've got i've got i'm sitting here with david my comfort zone on podcast i 'm sitting here with a picture behind me, so I am doing these things, and it I think it's righteous to do these things because it is so difficult to to feel in any way um safe and in uh, all of the meanings of that word, so yeah, I like your prescription and uh, um, it's 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 about the little things that we can do, given what 's going on yeah.
1: It is, and to grow. I'm a, a very reluctant cook, never do cook, was never any good at it, and was lazy about it. And um, <clears throat> recently, one of my daughters bought me a microwave uh, steamer. I never thought such a thing would be possible, actually. But you chop up your vegetables and put it in there and put in two tablespoonfuls of water, and four minutes later, you have steamed vegetables. And I became I become addicted to them. I always hated them. I don't give me steamed vegetables, mum, or wife, <laughs> or a friend. I don't like that. They taste like dirt. Well, I, ignorance. Now my kid saw that it would probably be propitious for me to learn how to do this at this advanced age. So now I'm doing it about three or four times a week. And you know, I I clean the vegetables mainly beets and yams, carrots, kale, and a little broccoli. That's what it is. That's what I do, and there it is on a plate. Five minutes later, and I eat it, and I feel so good about it. A that I have any food at all is lucky. Actually, of course, but the fact that I've learned something that she forced upon me because when you know when she told me she was going to, I said I don't. I'm not going to steam vegetables. If anything, I don't I mean, saute them, yes, so they've got some kind of but no, she she argued with me very vociferously, I might say, and sent me this beautiful porcelain Portuguese steamer, mm. which is not ugly. It's nice to like look at. She knows how. Mm superficial and shallow i really am that if it doesn't look good i'm not going to use it you know and you know and, and so anyway that, that that's just some now
0: to. yeah now ensues, we're going to have the mind-rolling cookbook cooking show
1: <laughs> one page with two people who one are page. so clueless I'm, oh, i can no you're give not you a bad you you're you're you're, uh, you're far better than me i've stayed in yeah. your house a million times you've cooked not cooked exactly,
0: but well, put yeah, together that's not, Put together, I like that word. Yeah, like, little tofu and steamed
1: vegetables. Yeah. Uh, well, you know. It, but but um, anyway, so when we decided to do this podcast, um, I'm going to reveal hmm. that Ragu had this sort of obsessive desire to do one about Aeneas Nin, and this goes back years. So we decided to do it. <laughs> but then both of us sort of got into it a bit more, and... and this morning had a chat that maybe that wouldn't be the central issue here, but I did take the trouble
0: to buy. Do we want to say why, you know, we both said, well, when we found out that she was estranged from her father, you know, from the time she was a child and then re uh, encountered him when she was in her thirties and then had an affair with him. Okay. That, that was
1: sort of, you know, Ooh,
0: well, it okay.
1: it, it maybe it makes me cringe a lot, cr- and I, really I, creepy. Although I have to say that in the Pharaonic tradition, as you know, the who uh, the Pharaonic ph- you know, the Pharaohs. Pharaoh, people, yeah, yeah. If 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 um, his wife died, he would then go to her sister. If there was no sister, he would go to the daughter. And, and oh, this you know, is news uh, to me. You no, know, this was the Egyptian, uh, maybe the slightly more decadent
0: pharaohs. I, I don't know,
1: yeah. but they, but it's 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 pretty much known that that happened. Makes me, as a man with two daughters, it makes me shudder in horror. But uh, you know, <laughs> they did it then, and 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 you know, look what happened to them. What? they (laughs) Nothing. They disappeared (laughs) on the face of the earth. (laughs) Barrows. And yeah, you Um, did find something Yeah. I found, well, I just went through this thing, you know, and on the phone now you can do it on Kindle and then you get highlights. Mm. And I found some highlights of things she said that were really kind of inspiring to me. Like, here's one. Um, This is a good one. the personal life deeply lived always expands into truths beyond itself. I like that. In other words, you know, if you go deep, either in meditation or in creation or just thought or just response, the deeper you go into it, um, you expand beyond yourself, she says. And then she said, I love the world so much, it moves me deeply. Even the ordinary world. The Daily World, even the bar table, the tinkling of ice in the glasses, the waiter, the dog tied in the coat room—that's like a Ramdas. I love the rug on the wall thing. You know that there's a lot of wisdom there, because um, I think I'm not actually speaking to you, Raga, because you know this. But for anybody, you know, even in the deepest Buddhist, most esoteric stuff uh there's a certain thing that comes up all the time, which is that everything is is made of God, everything is made of the Buddha, everything, everything, even feces and murder and bad t v streaming and so <laughs> what you know what she's saying there is that, and I believe her because despite that thing we just <laughs> talked about, which is obviously a little beyond um she was a woman who was hypersensitive to everything, you know. And I think Annie Lamott has has been like that too and other people that we come across in our lives. She just appreciated everything because she felt the fire of of awareness um, frequently, mainly mainly from her diaries. Mm. Uh, When she was young, from 11 onwards, she was full of life and did not take it for granted, did not think, oh, I'm bored, or I don't like this husband, or I don't like this woman I'm living with. I, it, it, she did the, all those things. But she had at least some appreciation for the the beauty of the ordinary, the, the imminence of the divine in the ordinary. And when someone can express that, it always... Helps me out personally.
0: Mm. I, I'm sorry. I, when I hit the incest thing, that that was <laughs> that was it for me. I'm so sorry. All right. Well, well you know, part of it is because my mother was yes. a forensic psychiatrist, psychologist actually, attached to McGill University in Montreal, and she used to work with. Uh, she she would go to the prisons on a weekly basis to work with. Um, some of the cases that she had gotten to help them. And the, uh, sh- un- there was a large uh, proportion. Uh, of course, murder was number one, murder within a family, and then incense was so common, it was staggering. This is in Quebec, everybody. Um, so, uh, and I and, don't uh, <laughs> I used to go over for dinner, and she would share this stuff with me. I would be horrified. So I think that I was completely traumatized by, by all of this. And to, to have read about it is like, oh, you so everything. And and I love Henry Miller, by the way. She had an affair with Henry Miller, right? Who wrote *Tropic of Cancer*. And it was a lot about sexuality, and it was Mm. in my youth that was how I found out a lot about sexuality, was reading Henry Miller, and I knew then about Anais Nin. So um, this was put the kibbutz on that just a little (laughs) bit, okay? It led me to to think, uh, not to cut this short, Dave, but it led me to think about somebody. I had received a book— some months ago, by uh, Stephen Levine. And Stephen was very close to Ramdas and was a big part of the uh, uh, working at Bedside Death and Dying movement with Ramdas and had, you know, obviously the, the, you know, Elizabeth Kubler Ross and with uh, Dale Borglum Ramdev. And uh, I love his work. And he's an incredible poet as well. He died uh, several years ago. And uh, I, this book that was sent to me is called Animal Sutras. And basically, he was using, uh, well, let me read a little bit, Dave, to give you an idea uh, of what he was aiming at here. Animals have a natural mindfulness. They know what they are doing. Humans who are full of confusion and seldom wholly in touch with their mind-body need encouragement and technique to live in the present. As Rumi said, love is the bridge. So he started collecting uh, animal spirit stories that uh, that were published over you know, the last many, many years and, and his direct experiences with them. And uh, he created this book that has so much uh, connectivity and, and to me, when I, I started to look through it, because I, I knew I wanted to introduce it to David, and um, it just, it goes back to, what of course, what we were talking about in the beginning of this uh, chat around what's going on for everybody in these times. And, you know, we've given a couple of little words of advice from our own experience that we've laid out. Uh, and, uh, I think that what Stephen is, uh, connecting to in this book is about, um, nature and our disconnect from nature and how we can reconnect through nature and through just animals around us, through being in the forest and so on. He, um, Uh, he talks about humans retrieving a sense of beauty, right? Mm -hmm. Just the warm breezes that are filled with fragrances and odors of the world. Our seeing and hearing, smelling and tasting, thinking and dreaming would all swim together. We would no longer be censoring the scintillation of energy vibrating in the alpine meadow, but instead would feel in the whole of our inner world the changing shapes in clouds and experience a considerable sense of safety. While lying beside a trusted friend or mate, simple kindness would evolve to profound mercy. With the inner world melting at the edge as the eye of beauty opened, And the fear that constricted around it and limited its focal length softened into trust in the process. Is that, I mean, that says so much. And it says so much about just like you, I'm doing the same as you. I'm going out actually a couple of times a day because of this new dog that I have wants to go out in the early morning. And you, you know, doing your... your, you run through the uh, forest nearby you, the woods, and, encounter, and don't we encounter that, that, you know, the breeze, the smells, the, the f- just regular, squirrels, never mind anything else, right? Mm-hmm. All of the animals that are populated throughout. And don't we start to feel a little bit more connected inside ourselves i know i do when i go out there i mean it's absolutely necessary in these times so and I, I suppose it's not available i mean i can where i live i can and where you live we can go into a place that has some nature mm-hmm. quotient to it right and i that i don't know what i would do almost without that at this point with this oh. quarantine going yeah. on yeah. But to have that, uh, and even if you, I mean, sometimes I don't go up into, you know, into nature itself, but I go on city streets and fortunately there's a lot of trees Mm -hmm. and there's gardens that are people, people are creating and so on that are initiating other Mm -hmm. connectivity to nature. It could be just smelling a rose bush, you know, and, uh. So I, uh, I know it's not available to everybody in the way that we seem to be fortunate of just being able to walk and write, you know, I'm in some hills and uh, trails and so on, and, and, and you are the same. Uh, uh, but, yeah, we're talking about a connectivity to nature that can really help uh, amplify the parts of ourselves that have been uh, severely cut into by virtue of this mm. uh, pandemic
1: mm. absolutely i mean I, I keep a journal or not no i i don't now but i used to and occasionally when i'm cleaning up or something i'll come across something from 30 years ago and even though i wasn't not connected uh I, I i didn't think about it much i didn't absorb the the, the well, i guess the buddhists call it the mandala of nature you know, that that it is a perfect thing, no matter what. And then now, you know, in the last period of time, you know, noticing things. Like, for instance, I notice that most birds hop. But the robins that come here at this time of the year, between March and May, to this point, there are thousands of them, and I see dozens and dozens every morning. They don't hop, they walk. And it's interesting, because... There's a little street that I go down, a long, long, long street. And the robins are in the woods next to the street, on the trail next. But they're also, I, yesterday, I'm walking and I see a robin on the side of the street. Look, did exactly what I was taught in England as a child look right, look left, look right again, hmm. go across the street. It's exactly what she did. And I mean, oh. I was standing there watching her do this, you know, like she did definitely look down the street both ways and then crossed it calmly. And you know, in all the years that I've been doing this here, I very rarely see any animal that's, that's been run over. Now it's not a busy street, but animals are very become very fitting into where they are and what's going on, and and we can learn so much from that. I have to tell you a squirrel story. I have to. Okay. Is I that- love
0: squirrel stories.
1: Okay, yeah. I do too, and I have a real story. <clears throat> it's going in my book, in fact, because it it moved me. Um, Where I live for um, about a mile north, uh, the first, say, half a mile or three-quarters of a mile, in the woods, there are gray squirrels, like we've all seen everywhere. But then in the more northerly part of the walk, in the last half mile and then up from there, the squirrels are black, jet black, with shiny black fur. and it's just weird to me it's sort of like segregation where I am are the gray squirrels, and then a mile a mile and a half all black squirrels about mm, fifteen years ago, I was in the woods and i I heard this chirping noise that i i'd never it's sort of a, a, a noise that i I never heard because it was it was sort of like a lot of them doing it and It's pretty thick woods, but then I came upon this little clearing, and what I observed blew me away. What I observed in the clearing was about 30 squirrels. I didn't count them, but it felt like about 30. Half of them were gray, and half of them were black. And they were doing a fucking dance. I swear to, I swear. What do you mean? They were moving around in this circle backwards and forwards. And they were mixed. There'd be a black one and then two gray ones and a black one, but they sort of stuck together. So it was sort of like a, a half circle of black squirrels and a half circle of gray squirrels. And they were like running little runs backwards and forwards. That's all they were doing. They weren't looking for nuts. They weren't stealing nuts. They weren't avoiding it. They were just together. And I've never seen it since, not once. Not once. I saw it once. But every time I see a black squirrel now, I think, this is such a good society you have. (laughs) You know, you have cultures, and you stay in your own culture to the extent you want to, and then when you want to mix with the other cultures, you go to the hop, the dance, and you dance with the other squirrels. And I'm telling you, Raga, when I saw this, it was such an epiphany to me, to go back to Animal Sutra, uh, Animal not sutra, animals, spirit, spirit animals, if mm-hmm. you like. That, um, Yes, as Stephen said, as you, re- you read, you know, if you really watch their stillness, their stillness, uh, you know. It's like number 40 of the I Ching says, be still. You will be, you will, you'll find deliverance, be still. And animals do run around and everything, we know that. But when they're still, they're completely still. Felines put a huge amount of energy into a few minutes and then sleep. In those few minutes, they get their food. But when they're still, they're totally still. They don't want anything. They don't want to eat. They don't want to have sex. They just are still. Their eyes are open. They're just still. Mm. You know, uh... I don't know. I mean, I don't know what that means, but I sort of do know what it means.
0: Well, here here it is, right here. I mean, actually, your experience, you know, Stephen talks about it in this book, because uh, he talks about going beneath the threadbare preconceptions of what we ordinarily see, okay, into what is to be seen. You know, All ordinarily, all that we see is what we... So you just walk around and you see... Uh, we're making a big deal here about squirrels, but there sure is a lot of them. Um, they're just squirrels, and they're running up and down trees and this and that and the other, and, you know, um, you don't really see anything, right? Right. Ordinarily, all that we see is what we have previously seen. So you have a created habitual pattern of seeing. Mm. We rarely see the flower, he says. We only see a flower. It's not the world that becomes old, but the cipher between the eye and the mind between what we think we see and what we're actually seeing, to observe directly, to look with the eye of beauty—I love that—is mm. to live from the heart. See, this is all opportunity for us. This again—I go back to what's this slowing down process of quarantine, of uh, of being too ensconced in fear and uncertainty. So that we are looking for, you know, so many different ways to to uh, encounter ourselves beneath the surface, and this is what this is talking about: uh, the eye of beauty. We see from the absolute present rather than the drowsy past. Mm. Practicing mindfulness and loving kindness towards all sentient beings, including even so unlikely a candidate as oneself.
1: <laughs> right. Uh,
0: Mercy breaks all the rules. The eye of beauty sees from the open heart, it sees from love. It is a love not unlike the beauty revealed to the fresh eye of one newly in love. When we are freshly in love, nothing has changed but our point of view. I mean, that is the strongest imagery of what we're talking about here. The ordinary is new. The world at such moments is indescribably beautiful. I mean, I have had this experience, like walking around, again, on my daily walks, where I am seeing so much more than I have previously. Uh, I'm, I, you know, it's a matter of there seems to be much more attention being paid into these tremendously small common things, you know, uh, now, your experience walking into a, a clearing with 30 uh, squirrels, you know, half being one, one tribe and half being another, that's you. You have these things that happen to you. I have never <laughs> – enc- okay, that's you. And uh, by the way, everybody, that's going to be part of a, a, the book that David is is working on and getting um, closer and closer
1: to, I'm going to say. You know, it's the uh, slowest, horrible process. Oh, but, yeah. Well – uh, uh, But let me just say, I've only seen that once. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of looked for it again. I'd hear chirp, you know, squirrel noise, and I'd go investigate. But no, it was just you know two gray squirrels looking for nuts, and you know. So I haven't. But yeah, if I think probably Stephen Levine would would agree, maybe that the more you look into something, then detail it, the more beautiful it becomes, and the more um, sort of entrancing it becomes. And that's the best part of the Maya of of, of an incarnation, isn't it? I mean, to find joy uh is seems to be what we're supposed to be here for now we we, we encounter all kinds of suffering we, that's part of it too but you know to find joy and and i know that um you know you can get so into the city-fied life and everything and you know, I'm used to Manhattan. You walk down the street and, you know, there's these new stores and then there's a Maserati showroom, for God's sake. You know, with the, and you look in and, oh, my God, look at those cars. That one, that bright red one. How much is that one? 300 grand? Oh, no problem. You know, it's just nonsense, really, because it's just come the, the religion of consumerism. And that's why George Bush Jr. said after 9-11, now go shop. Remember that? He dude, shopping. <laughs> and, you know, he was talking, I mean, I have to give it to him. He was just saying to people, don't let this make cripple you, which is fine. You know, that, that's okay to say that. But to say shop, he might have said, you know, go and hug your grandchildren or, or your mother more, which he probably would have if he'd have thought more about it. At this point, this, this blindness, the lens that we're given is almost AI it's almost AI because we're looking at what we're propagandized to be interested in. And, uh, the book that you've got there, animals, what is a spirit animal? What was that about? Particularly in the native American tradition. Yeah. It was learning from the animals movements and behavior. Yeah. right. It was watching the animal and seeing how incredibly, uh, talk about Tai Chi, talk about Zen, Uh, I saw this film on Facebook last week of some kind of, I don't know what it was, a puma or a, it was a dark-skinned, large, large cat, dark furred. And he contemplated a rock. He was on one side of a river, and the rock was way into the river. Beyond, you know, you're not going to jump that. And this cat was just looking at the rock, totally still, not a movement, not a breath. And then suddenly he just took up. Flew through the air, I mean, a surreal amount of river, and landed perfectly on the rock, and then sort of licked his paws. I'm watching. So I watched it like sixteen times. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> wow! Look at this. I'm looking at a computer in my quarantine department in New York State, at a puma from heaven knows where doing a miraculous act. Fantastic. If that's all we can get, then you get that. If you're not living in, in, in the woods and, and, and in, a, in a city and are freaked because of various statistics that are coming your way about this COVID, then you have to find, you have to root out in your environment what will stimulate you into into a kind of quiet acceptance and joy, maybe joy. But again, you know, that's all right. But then you also have to think about the people who are suffering terribly and see what you can do about that. If there's anything you can can do about it. Like, you know, um, I was just on simple things. You know, I was sort of pleased that when it came out that minority communities, uh, African-American and Hispanic in New York, were completely not within the realm of decent statistics as far as the, the virus goes. Yeah. The more of them are getting them, and less of them are getting treated, and very quickly, Cuomo and De Blasio started acting on that. They really did. I mean, they sent vans and stuff and whatever to areas that are being ignored, so that people could get quicker, t- you know, quicker treatment, if not testing, uh, some testing. In other words, politicians responded to suffering. Good. It's good. You know, as, uh, it, that made me happy that that happened. What can we do when we're not politicians? Well, whatever we're doing, whatever our, our exquisite karma has led us to, we can, we can work with that. Hmm. Podcast, instead of me yelling at Ragu and hmm. telling him that, I, that I, I, I want to murder people, um, <laughs> I think it's more <laughs> beneficial to talk about the joy of, of just being in the presence of a, an animal, any animal, any perfect animal. Mm. They're all beautiful. They're all amazing. So, then your mind will stretch to farming animals, industrial killing of of cattle and chickens in this country and other countries, and then you've got to fight that too a little bit, because they're like huge concentration camps for animals. Yeah, yeah a lot yeah, more yeah. people are getting involved in this. A lot more yeah. people, and, and that's partially because of online communications. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm rambling. No, all right. No, your well, turn, your turn uh, to ramble. Come on. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I
0: did that in the beginning. I got my turn. Um, Not real. Uh, I uh, I I like the offerings that we have tried to make here, uh, relative to little little steps that one can take to. Um, to create spaciousness around this situation we're in and not get lost in fear in the chaos and the uncertainty and because it stands to no purpose, none whatsoever, no matter what the circumstances are. And if we have the ability to just step outside, as we've been discussing, and using that as an analogy for uh, opening our ourselves up so that we can connect and the way we were connecting with the runner running by, the way we're connecting. <laughs> we, squirrels are getting a big part of our <laughs> podcast conversation. Uh, so w- just one last thing from uh, Stephen Levine's uh, book. Um, he uses uh, bear energy as a metaphor. Um, so... It's related to walking meditation, which is a very powerful practice because, boy, we can all do it. And it's something like, if there is no nature and there are no trees and it's all just pavement, you can still do this, you know. Um, All you need is, is is outdoor air and sunlight or rain, just elements. So, um, so, he talks about this walking, and uh, first we find the mind does all the walking, then gradually the body takes over a step at a time, and soon we find it is the heart we are walking through. It becomes like the musical staff in which notes are written. Thoughts flow through the great heart of the spirit bear walking beside us. We sense an unexpected inexplicable happiness, the joy of rolling in the meadow, of scratching our back against a rough pine, of clearing the path to the entrance of the heart. Step by step we refresh the body. Gradually the mind begins to note, and this is um, very excellent. I, I have done walking meditation in the in the uh, insight meditation tradition and uh, this, Stephen, gives some just powerful methodology here. Gradually, the, the mind begins to note the sensations in each step, feeling the muscles lift the foot, then swing it forward, then place it back on the ground. We note the moment when both feet touch the earth before the next foot rises to the challenge and, intend and attend to the moment-to-moment sensations that accompany each step. It is, as, it is as though we are learning to walk all over again. Supreme mindfulness, right? We imagine what it might have been, been like to take our first steps as an infant or a cub. A sense of accomplishment rarely rivaled arises in our newborn body and mind in our original heart. We walk through the field of sensation noting how our awareness becomes more precise, watching the beginning, middle, and end of each step. Perhaps in the same manner we we notice the beginning, middle, and end of each thought before it blends into the next. And as our focus sharpens, we may for an instant See the spaciousness of awareness, which boys equally our joy and sorrow. It takes a while to get out of our own way and become quiet as a bear, silently surveying its surroundings. Slowly what was invisible becomes visible, an ant purposefully scouting for the tribe, a bee testing pollen, a cloud that reminds us of something. Gradually, what was unheard attracts the inner ear. Bird songs vary. The wind sings differently from tree to tree. We settle through levels and levels and levels of quiet. We breathe in warmth and mercy, slowly, patiently through these great bare nostrils, breathing out the holding, the forgetfulness, the mercilessness which shadows us
1: is that great Uh, yes i am so glad
0: i picked up this book for me for you and everybody who's listening yeah it's called animal sutras it's stephen levine uh, who was very very close to ramdas over many years i knew him as well and uh he was a very loving
1: loving being speaking of ramdas you know those details that Stephen talks about and you know it's such amazing, it's so amazing to me that the three words be here now uh, you know which are just one millionth of what Rondas manifested but the book, you know that simple little thing if it's really contemplated can open the door to what he's talking about on a funny note, um, I was so desperate a couple weeks ago to watch something on TV I hadn't seen that I found this show, I think, on Prime called Upload, which is uh, a series, one of these dystopian Black Mirror type things mm. that are really kind of horrible. But this was about when you die, uh, they've got all your characteristics and everything and you you become this holographic person living in this holographic world and it's you know you don't you don't know you know and of of course you're dead you don't know this is happening you're somewhere else but this thing that has become you so there's one point when the protagonist is going crazy when he first finds himself in this new place he knows that he lived before somehow but he's completely confused by it and he goes to a bathroom this place is very beautiful that he's in because he this beautiful bathroom and he looks in the mirror and he goes oh well, what's going on what's going on what can i do what can I? be here now be here now be here now okay and then he, he gets into it now the series is absolutely awful I just don't <laughs> want to. It's awful. It's <laughs> badly done. It's silly. It's the acting is no so good. But when I saw this, you know, in this weird show, it made me realize how pervasive and how important uh, a teacher, a great, 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 massive Maha teacher, like, like uh, our newly departed friend and and love being and genius. You know, he did that. He found those three words and changed the world and Mm. changed himself and never Mm. relinquished his ability to be self-aware and honest about his real uh, personas, Uh, not his soul, but the way he found himself acting and the way he taught us to catch ourselves acting Mm. in whatever way, acting, acting, phonies bunch of phonies, all of us acting, acting. <laughs> and he told us that and that released us from that. I'm just sitting in a, a bit of a eulogy about Ramdas, I guess you know, I can't express enough how he his articulation of a few things <laughs> changed all of our lives and led us down roads that help us in these times of real strangeness and oppression and fear. Um, I recommend any book by Ramdas. Uh, you pick it up anywhere in it and you'll find some relief from maybe a little bit of neurotic or even worse feelings within this strange um, virus time which will pass it will pass I mean you know it's not going to be forever and this time will be treasured as to how we used it I guess Mm. nothing
0: is forever. Did I ever uh, tell you this anecdote when I, I was with living with Ram Dass last summer for a month? And uh, it was just after a retreat or something, and still stuff was going on in terms of people needing his attention, and I was working out him to be on somebody else's podcast or show or whatever. I can't remember what it was. And it was early morning, and it was uh, just before breakfast was being served. and. I got all riled up about I gotta get this information. I w I gotta talk to Ram Das and we gotta get it get, get it going. And I ran upstairs to his bedroom and uh, and somebody said, Well he's where is he? He's in the bathroom. So I go in the bathroom and I got all this charged energy. Now you gotta remember, of course, I've known him as you know, but everybody else mostly knows, but they not know. You know, he's how I got to India, you know, from my mm-hmm. times in the early seventies. Uh, so I have known him, and I have known be here now intimately. That phrase, and I ran up there, and he was shaving. Hmm. He looked up at me, and he carefully put the razor blade down on the counter <laughs> by the sink, and just in, and just did what he's always done with a gazillion people and did the first minute I met him, just encountered me with his eyes, those deep blue pools. And everything just like evaporated out of me that I thought I needed to arrange with him in that moment that was so important and it had nothing to to do with the moment. And he didn't say a word. And I completely realized, oh, stop! And it's what Bhagwan Das said to him in 1967. Can you just stop and be here now? <laughs> and and the whole the aphorism "be here now" went away. If you know what I mean, it's like yeah, a, it's yeah. a thing. And the reality of be here now, of just letting go in the moment, and, you know, how important is that for all of us now? And I think we've been using different uh, connectivities to, you know, whether it be out in nature and whether it be a walking meditation, whether it be, uh, you know, changing up stuff as you did. Now you're... Not only, you know, we've really changed. You're a cook and um, also a, a, a bird, an expert on bird watching. I mean, look at these things that you've never been and I've never been. And look, we all have that opportunity. So thank yes. you. Thank you. Thank
1: you. That's all. And also, you know, the amount of gratitude uh, quotient that we think we have has been put in stark contrast by what we've come to have because of the people who are are tackling the suffering that's going on right now. And, and, you know, I do go out there at seven o'clock most nights and clap and cheer and sing and make Mm -hmm. a fool of myself with all the other people around here to thank those people and to know that they are tackling these problems at a very, very, very stark level of treating them in the hospital and, and helping them. And that, uh, Delivering you know, food,
0: want... being in a food store. Exactly. Uh, I mean, it exactly. goes. The list goes on, and and yeah, yes. really, yes. sending out gratitude yes. to to everybody.
1: So uh, we're it's... seeing we're seeing seva we're seeing incredible, um, uh, uh, altruistic, and felt, uh, helpfulness, and that that should buoy us through. It 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 really should, shouldn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. The last question I have here as we leave. What are we supposed to do about our getting a haircut? I mean, look at
1: you and look at me. This is Yeah, I'm am like, what I'm, are we gonna well, do? I'm 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 done with it. I decided <laughs> I'm gonna go back to nineteen sixty yeah, I still I got the stuff going out of my head. And I, I, you I, know. Know, I can't get I guess to my
0: person. We we should, no. There's, oh, forget that. No. no but not I happening. guess we we should be grateful on that one too, that we have yeah, this yeah. issue,
1: right? Is yeah, I mean I, I I'm enjoying it. It's a bit ticklish around the ears and everything and they, they i look at myself walking. and i think yeah. you know because uh, an ancient guy who's pretending he's 24 but uh, the truth is this is a minor thing but you know you could always get one of those things and yeah right and do that you know, thing
0: yeah and just be, a bald be there yeah thank yeah. you so much for hanging yes, out with you, me too. and just Great. making me feel just Relaxed. I I just uh, I've had a <laughs> I have a wonderful time, and you, of course you've been threatening. I'm going to say this publicly: to yes. do a, a to do a a podcast. You have so many great ideas. Of yes,
1: I do, and um, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm modest too. anyhow, that's all. I'm going to do it. To, I'm going to okay. do look at this new this new machine I have here and everything, yeah. and this professional looking mic and yeah. you know look at
0: us with our two mics it's yeah it's kind of it's, weird it's, yeah. a, it's a
1: little strange let's <laughs> <But,
0: yeah. laughs> not talk about that all right David thank you this is mind rolling on BehereNownetwork.com. and uh we'll have show notes here and uh we'll link up different st- I don't know about Anais Nin but I guess we have to I can't it's my own thing. My mother and oh my yeah, God, it's, 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 just, it's,
1: it's very yeah. you. But you know, uh, she's she's good for aphorisms and um, yeah. you know. Yeah. And no, she, no, look, let's face it. When she was talking, not about incest, but about matters such as uh, you know the acceptance of lesbianism and the homosexuality, it was not what it is it's, now. Yeah. No, you that know, was in, in the forties or some one, crazy shit. Yeah, so 30s no, all or right, 40s. well, so she I'll has. Yeah, so you know. Okay. Let's give her right. that. We okay. will.
0: We will. Okay. Right. See you next week, everybody.
1: Yep. Ciao. Bye. Thank you, Baragrup. It's great.